welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 5, Episode 6, Halloween Nights. The original air date for this episode was October 30th, 1989. It was directed by Charles Carell, and it was written by John Shepard. Why don't we discuss this episode in brief? Uh, in this episode... Uh, I mean, I guess we'll just say it. Murdoch. Murdoch. Murdoch is back, and he's not out to kill MacGyver. No. He needs for once. Ma- yeah, he needs MacGyver's help to rescue Murdoch's sister. Mm-hmm. And we start with MacGyver coming home to the uh, the, the neighbor, <laughs> the neighbor banging on his boat. Oh, that's right. Well, that's weird. He didn't come out of his front door. He just got home. Yeah, he had just gotten home. Uh, it's Halloween, obviously, as the title would you would imagine. Right. Um, There's kids trick-or-treating on the docks already. Mm-hmm. Which, it's weird. That's how we knew it was a Halloween episode last time, was kids trick-or-treating in the first shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, so MacGyver's just coming back from something, which I can assume that he was on a mission because it's he's the middle of... on a mission. Well, yeah. And it's also the middle of the day, and he says that he needs to get some sleep. Yeah. So he must be off some kind of other time zone or something. But his neighbor, uh, Milt Bozer. Not Wilt. Not Wilt, who we discussed earlier yeah. uh, on another episode. The uh, Mosley character, Wilt, will show up later. This yeah. is Milt Bozer. Totally different guy. Totally different. They, Please they, don't confuse they me. They took that M and they flipped it upside down. Yeah, they flipped the script, literally. Um, he's banging on a, a winch on his boat that is broken. Yeah, because he... I, Guessing they're, this character is supposed to be mentally challenged, mm-hmm. and he's just pounding on a on the boat with like a giant piece of metal. Yep. Yeah. Um, and uh, Mac offers to help him if he keeps it down because he wants to get some sleep. Right. Again, middle of the day. Uh, the actor playing Milt here is Frank C. Turner, who we previously had as the. <laughs> he's credited as the priest, mm-hmm. but he's not a priest. He's a guy yeah. who sells guns in uh, Back from the Dead, and uh, he also plays Al Marsh in Stephen King's It. Okay. He's the bailiff in Airbud. Yes. He actually has like nine different credits in the Airbud franchise. Yeah, I think I recall seeing him. He's on like that. a referee and mm-hmm. a different referee, and um, he also plays a fisherman in Hot Rod. I'm having trouble remembering where a fisherman would play. In I story. have still not seen Hot Rod because you're a terrible person. I but know. our listeners are not terrible. They've all seen Hot Rod, <laughs> and some of them have seen it enough times to know exactly who the fisherman mm-hmm. character is. I really would like to see that movie. Yeah. Um. So Milt is very happy that MacGyver's willing to help him, but he's very sad right. to hear that MacGyver will be moving soon. Mm-hmm. And MacGyver's all, what do you mean? It's like, the, the guy with the moving van said you're moving. And so MacGyver runs back to his place. Only Not to find again. Him. Yeah, completely cleared out, as it was in uh, Jack of Lies. Right, which was the introduction <laughs> the of Jack the Jack Dalton. character. So MacGyver asks Milt, uh, so this guy, was he... Looking like a pilot, big mustache, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, that's the guy. Uh, so MacGyver heads down to Jack's hangar. Air Dalton. Yeah, because he is still... Which one. is a much bigger hangar than Dalton yeah. could ever afford. And he's probably renting it with other people. Yeah. Because uh, I think the other one in Rock the Cradle, he was saying, I don't know, like five or six other people use this place. They, have, they all have keys. Yeah. Uh, uh, so Mac arrives at the hangar dressed as Han Solo. Yep. Like, white shirt, black vest. It's like, okay. Uh, Have you seen Hateful Eight, right? Mm-hmm. 
for some reason, by the end of that movie, Walton Goggins is just straight up Han Solo. Yeah. Like, he has white long sleeves. He has a black vest. He's got boots up to here. Mm-hmm. He just looks exactly like Han Solo by the uh, end of that I, movie. I'd have to pay more attention next yeah. time I see it. Uh, so, Max starts looking around for Jack. He sees all his stuff there. Half unloaded, half still on the truck. Right. And Like uh, he got interrupted unloading it. Mm-hmm. He's like, Jack, I don't even want to hear it. I don't want to deal with any of this. Just... Give me my stuff back, and that'll be the end. And then he notices a puddle of blood. Puddle of blood and Jack's... Like, emblem, like his like flight. Flight insignia, yeah. yeah. Um, he picks it up. He smushes the blood on his fingers, as MacGyver is wont to do. Mm-hmm. This time he doesn't bother smelling it to see if it's stage blood or not. Yeah, yeah. Might have saved him some time to find out that it probably was. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Uh, at that moment, a hearse comes tearing around the corner of the hangar, stops at his truck, shoots the tire... And then drives off. Yeah. First it drives like it's going to run into him and mm-hmm. he has to jump out of the way onto his own stuff. Yeah. And then it they shoot his tire on their way out. He's He's got Harry's awesome old truck again. Mm-hmm. So uh, with no leads, MacGyver goes over to Jack's desk, which has a phone off the hook. And so he hangs it up and hits the redial, trying to figure out maybe who was the last person Jack called before he was taken. Yeah. Uh, and... It was a local cemetery. Yeah. Which makes sense since it was a hearse. It was a hearse. They got cemeteries on speed dial mm-hmm. or other people's phones. On other people's phones. <laughs> uh, they were they were calling in to check in on their own place. Right. So shooting the tire saved them almost no time because MacGyver knows exactly where they're going. Yeah, exactly. So I don't understand the purpose of shooting the tire. If I don't understand the point from a script writing perspective. I understand the point from the perspective of this person who didn't want MacGyver to be right on their tail to see them. Yeah, and know what I they were guess. up to ahead of time. You've, I think that hearse, a modern hearse, could outrun a forty-six Chevy. Maybe you never know. Um, but Mac goes immediately to the cemetery anyway. Yeah. And we don't even get a tire changing scene. And uh, of course, the hearse is there, empty in the back and in the front. And it's just open. Mm-hmm. And there's a coffin in the mausoleum that it's pointed at. So he goes inside because. Uh, Jack's hat is sitting in the doorway. Mm-hmm. So he goes inside and, and he's expecting to pay his respects to yet another fake dead yeah, Jack. Jack as, as is also his tradition. Yeah. Um, and he opens up the coffin, which was Jack's second episode. But yeah. Jack's not in it. There's a Jack in there, but it's a jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. Which is funny. Yeah. Um, and then he, for some reason, picks up the jack-o'-lantern. And drops immediately down a tra- yeah. trap door. Yeah. Um, he lands in a cage where uh, Murdoch comes out from behind a door. Yeah, he drops into, like, this Victorian-style mansion Mm -hmm. that's built under the mausoleum. Yeah. And then there's somebody here to say hi. Yeah, Murdoch. Murdoch shows up. Murdoch is here to welcome MacGyver to his new lair. Scar-free. Yep. Michael Dust Barnes was not willing to go through the makeup again. Yeah. Uh, So, of course, uh, Murdoch having MacGyver in his clutches can't help but flaunt himself a little bit. He's like, what do you think of my place, MacGyver? Belong to some industrialist who thought he might come back to life. Yeah. It's like, instead of going back home, yeah. he'd just live here. He would just live here under his mausoleum until he starved to death. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, Murdoch. Uh, but hey, who am, I to, who am I to argue? You're, you're standing in it. Yeah. Also, it seems very Halloween-y to be like, oh, you're in a mansion under a cemetery. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that that's the plot of a uh, of an H.P. Lovecraft story that someone like 
climbs like they're ascending through a mansion and then when they leave through the door in the top floor it turns out that it's a mausoleum and that the whole mansion was underground underground thing it's pretty awesome actually yeah i forget what it's called i think it's called the visitor and then it turns out that the guy doesn't even realize that he's the zombie of the person that was buried there and so Uh. he tries to go to the party at the house across from the mausoleum and everyone's terrified of him that's awesome spoiler alert (laughs) well now i don't have to read it but i'm glad i glad i got to hear the tale if you don't already, you should check out uh, the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast. It's a really awesome podcast. And they've covered pretty much every H.P. Lovecraft story so far. So to date. Occasionally new <laughs> ones come up. Like they fi- they recently found a bunch of new ones that they're publishing like this year. Wow. Yeah. He's got thousands of letters that he wrote to people that have like pieces of stories in them because mm-hmm. he just documented everything he did. So it's pretty neat. He looked like such a humble guy too. Like, yeah, I mean, you just think like, oh my gosh, this guy wrote so many crazy, weird stories. Well, both of his parents had syphilis and went completely insane. Mm. So, that been happens. there. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that joke, but uh, am I going to die now, MacGyver? Uh, so Murdoch wants MacGyver's help, and he's like, "Well, I tend not to help hired assassins." Yeah. Uh, he even lets him out of the cage, like, to prove that he's not yeah. here to kill him. Which, I wouldn't take anything for granted. And except, he doesn't just let him out of the cage. He pulls out this massive remote from yeah. his pocket and pushes the one button on it. Yeah, that and opens the cage that cage. Opens up. That one button will do something else later. No, but that's a different remote. In my <laughs> my theory. A giant he's just like, everywhere. oh, which remote? Uh, he's got nine remotes Fumbling in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Drops them all over the floor. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, Who was 12 at the time? I don't know. Obama's more than four years older than me, but... <laughs> Slightly. Um, uh, so MacGyver is, is intrigued at the fact that he's been released from the cage. Mm-hmm. And kind of, I'll bite. Tell me more about what you need. Yeah. Uh, Murdoch's sister has been captured. And MacGyver's immediately, uh-uh. You don't have any family. I've seen your files. Like, no, no, I've kept her a secret. Um, he, Even from her. Yeah. She doesn't know that she has a brother. Yeah. and Or at least not this brother. And he says he's been funding or supporting her. And I don't, I don't know what that means. Like, does she just get anonymous money in the mail all the time? Yeah. Uh, he just mails her a golden brooch. <laughs> Some blood on this one. <laughs> yeah. He mails her any jewelry he finds on his victims. And a, post, and a picture. Oops. Nope. That was supposed to go to Pete. <laughs> Please the forward this to Pete. Uh, yeah, so uh, Murdoch apparently worked for an agency known as HIT, Homicide International Trust. Who we last saw in Silent World, or more recently than that, maybe even. I'm not sure I recall. But the three guys from Silent World are also the three guys that hired Quail right, to right. kill MacGyver. So presumably Quail was also working for HIT. Mm-hmm. So now we're kind of seeing them in the light. Although right. we have seen we have seen them before in, um, uh, yeah, it was Silent World. Wasn't yeah, they it? were yeah, lit yeah, in yeah. Silent World. They, they, they were, were backlit the in uh, Deathlock. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so yeah, Murdoch again is saying, uh, you know, plays him the tape from his uh, Murdoch's old mentor Nicholas Hellman, mm-hmm. who says like, "We have your another sister. Halloween buzzword, Hellman." Yeah, Hellman. Uh, 
basically it says you have till midnight to rescue her or she's dead. She's right. dead at midnight. Uh, so you need to get there early. <laughs> yeah. And also parking is tricky. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe give yourself like a whole 45 minutes. <laughs> There's a Starbucks across the street. They validate. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but MacGyver still doesn't buy it. And so Mara says, fine, leave. But if you leave, you have to have you're gonna have a guilty conscience of a dead woman. Yeah. Because I'm certain Mur- Murdoch is the type who would like send MacGyver the obituary afterwards. Yeah. Like, see, you did this. Yep. And now I will kill you. Maybe I can't. You're really hard to kill. Right. But I'll try again. I'll try. I'll keep trying. I'm willing to give it another shot, MacGyver. <laughs> I'm willing to give us another chance. <laughs> For me to kill you. Right. Uh. So, of course. MacGyver's still kind of wary, so he says, all right, there's conditions. One, you give me evidence to help bring down Hit. Two, Two you're turning yourself you're in. You're turning yourself in. And Murdoch's not like, eh, okay. And then the third is, do it MacGyver's way, no guns. Right. Uh, and Murdoch's all, MacGyver, you don't know these people. We're going to need some guns. Yeah. Uh but MacGyver... Works. But he abides by the rule. He doesn't bring any guns. Yeah, no guns. Absolutely. He's, he, he is very honest that he won't bring any guns. No guns. Plural. Or gun. And he gets your gun. But he brings a grenade. Yeah. <laughs> to a knife fight. To a knife fight. To a gun fight. Uh, <laughs> I messed up the whole thing. I'm so sorry. Uh, so from here, we go over to... To Hellman's. To Hellman's. Uh, Nicholas Hellman, played by Daniel Davis, right? Um, who I know better as Moriarty from Star Trek TNG. Right, he's in a couple episodes. Right? Yeah, he is a really great character. I only remember him from the second episode. I think the first episode is where he's just Moriarty. Yeah, and he causes problems for them in the holodeck. Yeah, but then the second episode, he convinces them that while he was trapped in the holodeck between that episode and this yeah. episode. That he's deter- he's figured out how to get out of the holodeck, mm-hmm. and, and, and then, then he, he does it. <laughs> yeah, he just walks out of the holodeck, and everyone's mind is blown. Yeah, especially the viewers. Yeah, what? Because they always handle the holodeck a little bit differently. Yeah, like some people walked out and would slowly fade as they got out. Other times, it's just like a barrier. As soon as something hits the barrier, it just vanishes. Um, or they can't pass through it like it's a force field. Yeah, so. Uh, so, yeah, it was totally, like, crazy to watch that episode. And if you know the episode, I don't want to spoil it for you, so I don't want to tell how he did it. Right. But I also, what I really like about him is that he's completely American, uh, but he did study a lot in Europe and stuff and do Shakespeare. To the point that he plays a believable Moriarty. Yeah, he, he studied... Slash so, Hellman. He, he's does, he did so much Shakespearean uh, performances that he speaks so eloquently... That you just assume that he's British yeah. all the time. Like Vincent Price. Yeah, like, yeah. like Vincent Price, a lot of people hear, hear the way he speaks and they think, oh, he's British. Because he sounds so sophisticated. But no, he's just, he's just a guy. Does he sound sophisticated or just demented? Well, I, I think both. most of the time he sounds so creepy. Um, well, that's a, also a good British. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Uh, so Hellman and his uh, associate, Sonia Chapel are testing a new recruit, right. Mr. Griggs. Greggs. I want to say Griggs because it's it's so weird to say Greggs. Yeah, plural. I feel like Griggs is a But also word. Mr. Greg is weird because Greg isn't a last, last name. name. Yeah. I mean, maybe it is. Sorry to all of our Greg listeners. Sorry to the Greggs out there. 
so at the Hellman Club, there is a another. We, we recently had um, a Scaramanga esque funhouse of hor- of uh, yeah. death house and brainwashed. Yeah. So once again, now we have even more with the shooting gallery portion. Right. And when we're getting close-ups of these robots that are shooting, mm-hmm. we can see human skin behind uh, under like, the masks. Yeah, where yeah. the masks are. So this is a person pretending to be a robot shooting. Also very similar to Scaramanga's, yeah, yeah. where everyone's supposed to be a robot, but it's clear that they're just people standing very still. Right. And then one of them looks like it could be a wax statue, but it's not. No, it's really it's him. The guy who the statue looks like. Spoiler. Uh, yeah. Man with the Golden Gun. See it. It's a good Lee. one. It's one of the better Roger Moore ones. Yeah, there, there's some rough ones. There's not. Roger Moore's one of the better Bonds, and this is just one of his classics. I don't, I don't know how to respond to you right now. <laughs> I'll give you Octopussy. It's terrible. Oh. Uh, there's a triple take by a pigeon. <laughs> oh, are you talking about the movie with the hover gondola? <laughs> yeah. Hover gondola? <laughs> hover gondola. Oh, boy. I love Roger Moore. I uh, nothing against him. But I only like one or two of his Bond movies. Yeah. Uh, anyway, of course, Greg fails this test. Yeah. He only gets so far um, through the uh, shooting gallery of people shooting at him and automated weapons. and um, But at the same time, we do see Ashton, Murdoch's sister, right. strapped to a chair at the end of the hallway. His, his goal was, was supposed to reach her. Right. Just to see if anyone could. And actually, uh, MacGyver Project had a word with the actress who played Ashton. Oh, really? Okay. On their blog, so we'll put a link to that in the show notes. But she was actually, she said she was actually like strapped into the chair and couldn't move, so she kind of had to trust them to release her when there was like snakes and stuff in the room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, spoiler alert: there are snakes coming up. Um, I didn't say that. Could have just been snakes on set. But. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about in, on camera. There just happened to be in a very snaky area. Where yeah, shot. It, there are snakes around. Um, well, anyway, Greg fails the test. He gets shot. and uh, This is the other scene that reminds me a lot of American Gladiators. Running from behind one thing to a behind another oh, yeah, thing. Yeah, and yeah, shooting absolutely. at people that are shooting at him. Um, uh, but Hellman seems very satisfied. Because... Uh, Greg's was like the most experienced uh, freelance agent who was out in the field. And now he's totally useless. Good well, job, Hellman. Well, I think that was the purpose. It was to say like, oh, he's the best. So if he if he dies, then this is good enough for Murdoch. Maybe. Uh, I don't get the logic behind. If you run an assassin's company and you want the best assassins in the world and you get them and then you murder them, then you have fewer of the world's best assassins than you were supposed to have. I see your point. Yes. That's a fair point. <laughs> it's like, this guy was the best in the world, and I murdered him. Yeah. No, you know what? I, I'm on your side on this now. You know, you you've, you actually have a very logical <laughs> argument here. Um, it's like, I hired the best chef in the world, and then I poisoned him. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a better chef than he is. No, now, that's not, that's not theoretically. How it works. <laughs> I've gained his power. This is like Highlander. I've at least climbed one rank on the world's best chef's chart. Yeah. Uh, 
So uh, Mac has a plan to infiltrate the club right. under the guise of a caterer who no one hired. To bring a coffin full of candy. That no one ordered. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't have anything hidden under the candy. It's just a coffin filled to the brim with candy. Filled with candy. Um, it's got to weigh 500 pounds. Yeah, well, that's why he had like their guys helping him bring it in. Yeah. It would be funny if Jack's body was in it somehow <laughs> when he opens it up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, we should point out, too, that um, through all this mystery about where's Jack, where's Jack, he's just not around. Right. Uh. Murdoch maybe indicates that he sent him off on a something on an chase. errand of some kind. But I, I got the impression that Murdoch was dressed as Jack, so that he, when MacGyver heard that someone with a mustache and a fl- and a flight jacket had taken all of his stuff, that he mm-hmm. would go to where Dalton worked. Right. But yeah, I get the impression that he like left some newspaper clipping about like. Buried gold Nazi or something. gold somewhere that he would just turn around and disappear. Uh, so, MacGyver brings in the coffin full of candy, and we get introduced to the security guard, Ozzy. Right. Who's just like... He's a company man. He's a company man. <laughs> he, he's he's kind of mopey, but he always follows orders, and he doesn't question anything. He just does what he's supposed to do. Um. And so Hellman like calls him into the uh, billiards room, which has the secret door into the uh, shooting gallery. Right. Which what does he call it? The uh, death row. Death row. Yeah. Uh, and so he's like, "Oh, Ozzy, by the way, Mr. Greggs is dead. Can you clean up the body?" He's like, "All right, I'll yep, do it. I'm on it." Uh, and uh, in the meantime, uh, Hellman is going to go back and mingle at the party. Right. Because these are his guests. Uh. And so MacGyver waits for them to leave the room and kind of sneaks in. And for some reason, I don't get it, but MacGyver notices Hellman put his finger on the thumbprint scanner to let Ozzy in. Yeah. But doesn't seem to understand the concept of the thumbprint scanner. Yeah. Because he immediately he starts. A button. He immediately starts trying to do it himself. It's like it's clearly a thumbprint scanner. Yeah. You should. If You've you would, encountered these before on the show. Yeah. If you would. There was one in the Human Factor. Yeah. If you had not put your thumbprint on it, you probably could have saved it. I think there was one in Phoenix Under Siege. No, that was just a badge scanner. Um, so it's kind of like I was kind of like disappointed with him on yeah. that aspect. Um, meanwhile, uh, uh, the bottom of the coffin opens up, and a man dresses death. Out. Yeah, death himself. Right. We didn't mention before that MacGyver is dressed up. We decided as Doctor Jekyll, mm-hmm. like the original, like nineteen thirty-one Doctor Jekyll. Yeah, little disheveled top hat. Yeah, at first um, I thought it was like cloak. the the other Lon Chaney, like Murderer by Midnight character or whatever. Mm-hmm. Actually, is that what that movie's called? Yeah, it's called London After Midnight. I was going to say if it's called Murder by Midnight, maybe it is supposed to be that Lon Chaney character because mm-hmm. we're talking about a murder that's going to happen by midnight. At midnight, yeah. But uh, no, it's London, London After Midnight, which sounds like the third. Ethan Hawke, Julie Delpy movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, man, I really like Ethan Hawke. Yeah. He, but he does some strange, random roles. You saw the trailer for the new Magnificent Seven, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that looks so cool. He's I'm, one I'm, of the, I'm pretty excited about it. He's one of the seven in there. I wanted to see the um, that movie he did recently about the drone pilot. I think it was, I want to say it was Neil, it wasn't Neil Jordan who did it. Some some notable director. It was, oh, it was uh, the director of Lord of War. Uh, Andrew Nicoli. Uh, I don't know. Uh, 
uh, does this movie about this where Ethan Hawke's like a drone pilot, um, but dealing with the fact that like he's not actually in combat. Mm-hmm. Like he he joined up to to serve, and he just feels like he's just pushing buttons, uh, and and so like kind of dealing with that. A lot of the of people angst. who are piloting those drones are like here in Southern California, yeah, in warehouses. I got this great idea. I'm gonna hire kids, kids to do it. Kids to fly these drones because they don't and know. It's take just a, over the whole toy factory. <laughs> it's gonna. It's just a game to them. Yeah. Yeah. Sad how that movie came true. Yeah. I mean, they are kids. It's true. It, it, it's it's but more relevant now than that movie's ever been. Yeah. So, uh, Murdoch is now in the billiards room with MacGyver and Max saying, "Look, well, here's the door, but we can't get in without a thumbprint scanner." <laughs> so Murdoch goes, "Maybe this will do the trick," and pulls out a grenade. <laughs> and MacGyver's all, "I said no guns. It's not a gun." Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "Do you have a better idea? I'll think of one. All right, let's hear it." And MacGyver looks at the grenade and starts going, mm, maybe the grenade. <laughs> and he's all, so yeah, I'd probably bring the whole place down. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so Which Macgyver, was the same argument he had against grenades and easy target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently he has a really, he thinks these grenades are really powerful. Yeah. It looks like a pretty small fragmentation grenade to me. But, you know, you know best. You're MacGyver. Yeah. Um, so MacGyver decides to come up with a plan to grab one of Hellman's drink glasses. Right. Get the fingerprint and use it to open the door. And he's using like the chalk from the pool table mm-hmm. to get the fingerprint. That'll come later. Yeah. First, they got to get the glass. But just as they go after Hellman, he goes into a back room. And they notice different people going into this back room. Mm-hmm. First, they see Hellman enter. Then they see three party guests enter yeah, a, a king, king, a queen, and a knight. Who they say, oh. They're saying, is, oh, it's a royal flush. Yeah, because earlier Hellman had mentioned that. Uh, the board of Hit will be meeting tonight, and they'll be dressed as the Royal Flush. Right. Um, and so they're waiting for the fifth member, who who they said must be the ace. But I would have said that Hellman would have been the ace. Yeah. Um, Are you saying that Hellman is a perfect 10? He's, yeah, he's the 10. Even though he's dressed as Dracula? See, then Doesn't so- match the Royal Flush yeah, at see, all? Sonia should have been the 10. Right. If you know what I mean. There you go. Um Here's where MacGyver should have just dressed up as Bo Derek from, from Perfect Ten. Yeah, and just gone in with his, his <laughs> dreadlocks and. Uh, so uh, enter a Joker guy dressed as a playing card Harlequin. I almost said Harley Quinn. <laughs> I had to correct myself to yeah. say Harlequin, uh, uh, Joker style kind of guy. Right. And so they assume he must be the awaited member. Right. So, but I mean, you can tell these guys are cheaters because they're the only ones who play poker with a Joker in the deck. Mm-hmm. So MacGyver wants to take him out. So Murdoch whips out like a pen. It's like this will this will take him out. And he's like, don't worry, MacGyver, it's completely harmless, except it will knock him out. Yeah, and and it's mightier than a sword. Yeah. And then he stabs him in the neck with it. Yeah, and then releases the gas. <laughs> and then he. And he pulls out the plunger to suck the blood out of his neck so that he can write with it later. Oh, well, that's a really... That would work, right? That would work. Um, uh, he doesn't do that. He just no. sprays him in the face and he goes unconscious. Yeah, he, it's, 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 it's much like the uh, poison that Murdoch used on Pete right. in Clear Our Rocks. It, it also, I, I forget if we mentioned this, but when Ozzy was charged with going in to get Greg's, he just walks out of the 
chamber with Greg's over his shoulder. Yeah. And the girl sitting in the chair as he's walking by, like, hey, you got to help me. You got to let me out of here. And he's just like, oh, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I got to move this guy. I just work here. I just work here. <laughs> I can't really do anything about it. Uh, <laughs> it's great. But now we have another unconscious body getting moved. They take him into just some office off the yeah. main hall. Although it is an office that has, I guess, the circuit breaker for the entire house. Yeah, it seems like it. Seems kind of like in a weird spot. But, and uh, right away, MacGyver is changing into this Joker costume so mm-hmm. they can get into the room. But then Murdoch mentions, well, how are you going to get out of the room? Yeah. And MacGyver's like, oh, you're right. We need a distraction. And then he notices the circuit breakers and he says, you're going to shut all these off at exactly, what, 1140? 1140, yeah. Uh, and so MacGyver exits as Joker and Sonia immediately descends upon him. He's like, where have you been? And not wanting, I guess, like assuming that maybe she would know what he sounds like. He doesn't want to speak. Yeah. So he just kind of does like this weird I'm little, sorry. weird little like sorry dance. Yeah. He like waves his hands like he's casting a spell, and then when he enters the board meeting, they're all like, "It's like, well, now Fine. that everyone's here." He's just like, oh, I'm "So yeah, you can't see what we're doing, but we're gesturing." He's like so apologetic just by shrugging and gesturing, like, yeah. "Oh, I'm so sorry." Because he's a gesture. Yeah. Gesture. Gesture. Uh, close. No. Um. However, uh, Murdoch is captured by Sonia. Right. And uh, uh, Sonia calls it in to Hellman in the meeting. She says, hey, by the way, Murdoch is here, and, and I've captured him. And also, he's uh, someone has taken the place of the Joker at the table. Right. And so Hellman immediately... Without giving it away, Hellman's like, okay, well, uh, I'll handle it. Yeah. And then immediately pulls a gun on the Joker. It's like... Yeah. Real discreet, yeah. Hellman. Um, so with a MacGyver almost captured, Murdoch quickly flips around and punches Sonya in the face. Yeah. And she lets out the craziest scream as yeah. she goes down. Because this wasn't in the script. He actually punched her as hard as he could in the face. Yeah, they, they had a dispute. That's my theory. There's nothing to back that theory up. Yeah. Um, except how hard she went down. Yeah. Because that seems crazy. Yeah. Uh, but then he's still able to reach the switch. Yeah, and he shuts off the, uh, shuts off the power. MacGyver grabs the glass... I don't know how he grabs it without touching it. Yeah. Um, so, and how, and how he stores it without rubbing the fingerprints off. Unless he like grabbed it from the inside and spread his fingers out. Yeah. I mean, I guess uh, like, it but alcohol is generally kind of He'd slick. have to be like, get the top of it. With oh his... yeah. That's a good call. I bet that, that would be a better way to if do it. If he had his fingers underneath the glass and his thumb just holding the rim of it. Yeah. Doesn't matter. He got it. Yeah. Um, and so they quick head back into the billiards room there's no one in the house anymore. Yeah, no one's looking for anybody, and yeah. the bad guys are for some reason not really in pursuit of them anymore, even though the lights came on before MacGyver left the room. Yeah, and uh, everyone at the party's left, I guess, because the power went out. They, they realize when this secret meeting is going on, oh, that's the perfect cover, is to throw a Halloween party, mm-hmm. and then you can just hide in a room and have your own conversation. It's like, no, you don't need to invite all these other people. Just invite the people that you need to come for yeah. the meeting. Like, there's no reason to bring 50 people to a party where only five people need to meet. No one's going to think it's suspicious. It's actually c- more suspicious if there's an inner sanctum party within the party. Yeah. It's very clicky. Yeah. And I don't like it. Yeah. People feel left out. That's why they all left while you guys were in there. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, I guess party's over. Everyone's gone. So uh, now MacGyver's carving the, the chalk, mm-hmm. the, the pool stick chalk. The pool cue chalk. Um, onto the glass. Onto so the glass. So you reveal the prints. And he gave a candle to Murdoch 
so that he can melt the wax into a dish. Mm-hmm. That Which he, is, he yeah. just presses his thumb into the hot oh. wax, I guess. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the lights are restored. Sonia's come to, Ozzy finds her, um, and they uh, they release the board members, but they don't leave the room. Right. Like, they're free from the room, but they don't leave it. Yeah. But um, then Hellman's like, wait, wait, wait. This is all going according to my master plan. And yeah. then he points a television at them. Yeah. He has everything recorded, pre, like, cameras everywhere, I guess, yeah. like, set up for them to enter. And then he goes to his lighting booth. <laughs> and he starts... MacGyver and Murdoch make it past the door, down the elevator, into death row. But yeah, he puts his thumb in the wax, he touches the chalk fingerprint on the glass, and then he's able to open the thumbprint door. Right. So now they're in the same, you know, uh, little shooting gallery area. Where Mr. Greggs was killed. Yeah. And they see Ashton at the far end of the room, and again, now, but now they're given an extra amount of uh, threat worth a time limit. Right. But she also is giving them a little bit of a hint. Which is like, be careful, they already killed somebody in here. And then later on she tells them like where certain machine guns are that yeah. this guy didn't know about. And uh, yeah, so now they have eight minutes until she's electrocuted with 3,000 bolts. Yeah, which if you'll recall is exactly one thousandth of what Armin got. Yeah, and he, he just kind of fell over. <laughs> yeah, so she should be fine. Uh, so as soon as they enter... Uh, motion sensing uh, dummies uh, start opening fire all around oh. them. Real people dress as dummies. Yeah, exactly. Who are credited as killer robot <laughs> on IMDb. <laughs> um, so in order to deactivate one, MacGyver d- somehow surmises that any impact will shut them off right. at all. Yeah. So he throws a cabbage up into the air and as the robot's shooting at it, he just lightly tosses an apple at it, and it hits it, and the robot shuts off. Yeah. It's like... An apple a day. Why would say. it shut off? I, I would know. just set them to not ever shut off. Or like what we both assumed was going to happen, which is that he would throw something in between the two, and they would mm-hmm. shoot at each other and destroy each other. Yeah. Which would make perfect sense for this scene. Because otherwise, they're a continued threat who could come back at any moment. And he's already used that exact strategy against another hit assassin yeah. in Deathlock. And he used it on the robots in in Human Factor. That's true, yeah. He got them to shoot at each other. That's true. Uh, so, the heat-seeking robots. Mm-hmm. He, the he Daleks. Put, he, he threw like the, the magnets with the flaming, yeah. flaming dog poo bags. <laughs> we didn't have to put dog poo in them. <laughs> didn't have to. Don't have to do a lot Frog. of <laughs> So they get past like the first round, and now they're in like a Vietnam set, which you referenced like something out of Rushmore, mm-hmm. uh, where there's just random explosions going off behind a fake fence. Yeah, there's, there's no real danger to the people except a giant like poncho hung up on the wall. Yeah, and then uh, the whole door frame with the poncho falls over, and there's just another a machine, machine gun. gun. Yeah, no robot. No, like, soldier, like, in a position, like, fi- pretending to fire it or anything like that. It's just yeah. a machine gun by itself. Um, uh, that seems, this seems more like quail kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, the motion sensing, like, machine gun turrets and everything like that. Yeah. Although, I have to say that the motion detectors on quail's guns were enormous. Yeah. And well, you know, progress has been made. Yeah, sure. Technology like, has like, evolved. Like, four years later. Uh, and, uh... So MacGyver and uh, Murdoch take cover, and what well, MacGyver like just basically gives Murdoch a stick and a helmet. 
Yeah. It says He's here. Like, just puppet this around while it shoots at you so I can yeah. go get your sister. Yeah, so Murdoch is distracting the machine gun long enough for MacGyver just to, like, throw something over the sen- motion sensor. Yeah, and basically get out of its range. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and gr- again, Hellman is watching, and he seems really upset by this. Like, Even though he presumably has a gun and could just shoot them from up there, yeah. and they're not moving. Or he could turn on other robots that I'm sure are in the room yeah. and have them shoot at him. Uh, I don't get it. Uh, it's like he, he's got like this twisted sense of fair play, but at the same time, he just really wants him dead. Yeah. So the last test is this very narrow hallway, which a trap door opens immediately, and it's filled with snakes. Right. Um, the only way out is sealed up by a bamboo chute door. Right. And MacGyver and Murdoch are forced to cling to it because otherwise they'd fall into a pit of snakes. Right. And so, Im- but MacGyver is able to reach through the bamboo mm-hmm. doors to grab like a tiki torch. Yeah. And, uh, and Murdoch assumes he's going to set the snakes, snakes on, on fire. fire, which would work. Yeah, it would. Yeah, would have worked. Um, I, I would actually, that probably would have been a better plan. Yeah, uh, maybe. But he said snakes hate the smell of kerosene. Right. Uh, so, uh, he just starts It dumping. probably would have been fine, actually, if he just turned it on and threw it in the corner. Maybe the snakes would have gone to it. From the heat? Yeah, because that's what he did in, in Final Approach. He used the heat to lure the snake away. And that's like, true, That's yeah. the same reason that it came in here. Uh... So he dumps the kerosene on himself and on Murdoch, uh, but Murdoch is terrified of snakes yeah. and refuses to go. It doesn't seem to have any effect on the snakes, the kerosene stuff. Yeah, like, it just, it just. I mean, they don't attack him, but they don't seem interested in him or disinterested. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to get away from him. They're just kind of wandering around while he steps yeah. through them. But steps Murdoch off. won't even walk near them, so he has to ride up on MacGyver's shoulders to get mm-hmm. through the snake pit. I think that's probably the like the greatest thing MacGyver ever had to do for Murdoch. Yeah. I have to literally carry you through a snake pit. Through a snake pit. To your sister. Um so of course they get to her just in time and they unstrap her and the chair goes off at midnight as planned, um, with a great electric light show. Yeah. And Hellman waits until now when he's downstairs out in the open to start firing a gun at them. Mm-hmm. And his first shot, which seemed more off the cuff, immediately hits Murdoch. Dead in Murdoch's heart. Um, but then his like subsequent more aimed shots just keep missing. Keep hitting the chairs. Uh, so Murdoch pulls so out get his... Get out of here. We had a deal, MacGyver. Get he, her out of here. Yeah, he pulls out his only weapon that he has, which is his grenade. He pulls the pin and is just holding it. Uh... And as Hellman gets to the snake pit door, which is now closed, um, he says, this is your, like, the end of the road for you. This is your end, Murdoch. And Sonia now, we can see, is up in the booth. And she just basically says, this is both your ends. Because yeah. I'm the chairman of the board now. Because yeah. Hellman had Cause failed. Because that's how it works. Yeah. You just, it just, you just goes say to the it. next person. Yeah, it's like... It just follows the order of It's like calling shotgun. The cards. <laughs> Uh, I've killed the king. He's in here dead. Yeah. And uh, now I'm going to kill the ace, and then now I'm in charge. That's how it works. And then the knight could try and kill me if he wants. And then that perfect ten, MacGyver. <laughs> MacGyver, you're, you're officially... Who would ever use a joker as a ten, I guess, if you're trying to get a royal flush? Yeah, it, yeah, it's a wild card. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, no, it has no other purpose. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Ashton uh, is freed. Hellman falls into the pit of snakes and 
Murdoch, like, now seeing his, like, mentor killed, who he had planned to kill, just goes, eh, and tosses the grenade into the yeah. snake pit with him. I was just thinking it would have been funny if he threw it, like, when Hellman first came on the mic, and was like, oh, but there is something to worry about. Like, he just turns around and hucks the grenade yeah, up at the up top into the window. Room. <laughs> it just blasts in and kills everybody in that room, and the machines all turn off because he blew up the control system. Eh. All right, let's go save my sister and get out of here. Everything's fine but yeah, now. yeah, he blows up all these poor snakes. Yeah. I mean, he may have done it as an act of mercy on Hellman's behalf. Or because no one's going to feed these snakes after today. Yeah. Um, and uh, and as MacGyver said, the whole place starts to come down. Right. Um, but luckily, there's a back door to the street right where the chair is. Yeah, they could have just walked in that way and gotten her. It's like uh, on The Simpsons when Mr. Burns goes into his, like, uh, back room to shut off the power to Springfield. Yeah. You have to go through all these security scanners and things like that down private elevators and, the, and they get there there's just goes, a screen door yeah. and there's a dog running around. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's exactly what this room is. Yeah. Um, and uh, so Ashton and MacGyver make it out and Ashton's like, but what about your friend? And uh, cut to commercial. Yeah. Because now it's time for the Act Five Roundup, like that was it. That was the that was the end. Um, we successfully ended the stories for these characters. So, before we get into what's happening next, I have to say that I was expecting any number of twists to happen at this point. Like for example, since no one has met Ashton and Ashton yeah. has said basically nothing, she could have been anyone. Yeah, um, like I thought Ashton could have been wearing a mask. As Murdoch does. Ashton could have been Murdoch's wife, who was also an assassin. Yeah, I, that's what I was. That's what I was hoping for. Not me, not his wife. Actually, I would have been fine with sister or girlfriend or whatever. Yeah, but she's but that she was also an assassin. Yeah, and uh, that's why. What he if it turned her. out she was the nurse from the rehabilitation clinic that Murdoch keeps going to after, you know, in our other series? Okay. Our, our secret series where he comes to MacGyver to get wounded so that he can go back and hang out and with, make the out nurse. with the nurse. His Florence Nightingale. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... I kept waiting and waiting. I really no, wanted no something twists, crazy no to happen. It's just a sister that just save her. Mm-hmm. That's the end. There was a... What would have been an even crazier twist? Like if MacGyver went through all this and Hellman says, By the way, MacGyver, we're all very impressed with you if you wish to join Hit. Hit. Oh, yeah. Like, that would have been kind of cool. Yeah. Um, there's an episode of Gargoyles... Uh, where this guy's trying to expose the Illuminati by infiltrating it, and but they're the Illuminati. And to- then at the end, they're like, "Do you want to be in charge of the Illuminati now?" Well, not too much in charge of it, but even though he was trying to expose the Illuminati and like was like in it, it says, "Hey, we 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 understand how much how part of this effort you are." Yeah. And so they make him a member. Yeah. But he's still threatening to expose them. Yeah. Uh, despite him being inside on the inside. Yeah. Kind of what if what if they get the whole way to the sister in the chair, and it turns out that she's Murdoch, and Murdoch was his sister. Like they're both wearing masks, oh. and it's like you just saved my brother, the murderer. That would have been incredible. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been great? Ah, oh, because he says, "I got a new face." Yeah, like he's showing off that he doesn't have any more scars. Yeah. And then when they take they take her face off of the the person that they pulled out of the chair, it turns out it's all scarred because you can't cure that. Yeah. Yeah. You can't cure scars. Um, that would have been amazing. That was the twist. So the innocent person helped him save the terrible person. Yeah. Um, because Murdoch doesn't do anything Murdochy 
in this episode. Yeah. He, I mean, other than having a remote control to push buttons. Yeah. He, he doesn't fight. He doesn't uh, do anything crazy. He does right, the one... I'm going to write a letter. We're going to send it back in time. <laughs> and hopefully they'll take this suggestion. Oh, that's perfect. Um, so then we get the Act 5 yeah, the on real, the little the, the real ending. airstrip. Um, they're back at Jack's hangar, and there's a private Phoenix Foundation plane, I guess, taking Ashton wherever she needs to go. Yeah. I thought for sure that we were going to, like, at the last second see that, you know, uh, LaRue is flying the plane or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Murdoch in disguise. Oh, wait, I don't have any legs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Would you be a deer and press that lever, darling? <laughs> uh... Yeah, so she gets in the plane, and immediately there's an envelope on MacGyver's uh, truck. Right. After he left. And so... It's a nice little letter. Yeah, and she would have seen him put it on it. Yeah. She's facing towards the car. Yeah, so he... he Basically, Murdoch kept part of his bargain, which was he left him a floppy disk with enough information on it to to ruin take down. hit. Yeah. It seems like one disk would not be enough. Yeah, unless, yeah. Who it's knows? A, it's a zip file. They, they didn't zip things yet. Uh, um, but then he also leaves the tape recording of a message like, hey, from beyond the grave, it's yeah. me, Murdoch. Sorry I didn't turn myself in, but I had a change of heart. Yeah. And so... A uh, bullet shot my heart. Yeah. And it changed it. Um, For the worse, I'm in a hospital. <laughs> Tell my sister I... <laughs> Should I hit stop? He's dead. <laughs> What's this in his hand? I don't know. Is this the address we're supposed to send it to? I don't know. What are you doing after dinner? <laughs> you want to see a movie? Uh, so, uh, there's just like a, yeah, like he kind of like ends laughing, like, don't forget to look over your shoulder, MacGyver. And then he looks over his shoulder. There's nothing there. Uh, yep, so that's where we end. We have a Murdoch for sure he escaped. So should Hit be gone after this episode? It should be, or at least... Like reformed completely. Reformed, like yeah. and reincorporated into a new organization. Yeah. Like uh like Quantum and uh Spectre. Yeah. But yeah, it's a good episode. I like it. Yeah. It's a good uh, Halloween episode. I, I I think that the pairing of Murdoch and MacGyver with their mutual I don't say mutual respect, because I don't think MacGyver really has any respect for Murdoch. No, but but Teaming up, the bad guy and good guy teaming up is always a fun episode. Yeah. And it happens every once in a while when they team up against a greater good. Mm -hmm. It's just nice to see these people that are always at odds working together for some reason. Yeah. But, um, and there's a lot of little funny little bits. I, I like the robotic uh, shooters, mm -hmm. even though they're clearly real people. I just, I like the way that he moves. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's a good robot dancer. Yeah. So, like, he's able to, like, get that, that sense. Plus, they did a lot of, like, blowing up of glass, like, light bulbs, that barbershop <laughs> you window. You kept pointing out they replaced the window. <laughs> yeah, they keep replacing a window that they shoot out, and all the fruit, all the fresh fruit that they keep putting back out. Yeah, fresh snakes. Yeah, fresh snakes that you just, I guess you just feed them the fruit. Um, you're seeing videos of For snakes. The people. Yeah, there you go. Just throw them into the snake pit. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ozzy went above and beyond the Call of Duty. He should have just dumped Greg's in the snake pit. Well, I mean, that's not how snakes eat. They'd have to be chopped up. Unless there's like one anaconda in there. One, yeah, just one. He's the only one who gets yeah. to eat. Yeah, but that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it for this one. I love this episode, actually. <laughs> this, is, this ranks pretty high for me. Um, if you guys have any thoughts you want to share with us, you can find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit. 
Uh, you can find us on facebook.com slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast or our website, phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. And if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Tune in next week. We're going to be covering Season 5, Episode 7, Children of Light. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for that one. And thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you.